0: Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today's episode is with Pat Dively. The Pat is one of those guests that I listen to on a regular basis on his Pat Dively podcast. He is one of my go-to every week. I have about five podcasts that I will listen to on a religious basis from mindset stuff to nutrition stuff to fitness stuff and other ones uh, that are not uh, fitness related as well just to kind of zone out and get away from that realm as well. So I'm super excited Pat is a speaker and author a podcaster and Pat has gone from running a PT business running boot camps having businesses fail to being one of the most in-demand speakers in the country. Uh, He has a podcast with over one million unique downloads and is an author as well. So I'm so, so excited for this episode. I'm so privileged to have him on because he, he, he says himself, he says a lot, he says a no to an awful lot of podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by a company called Let's Get Checked. I would not be associated with any brand that I feel that wouldn't work or that I don't use myself. So what Let's Get Checked offer is, rather than having to go to the doctor to get your blood tests, these guys offer you home kits. So it's a simple prick of a finger. You can get your testosterone, you can get your female hormone test, you can get your vitamin D, your iron, your B12, anything checked. It, they are incredible I've used these guys myself and the tests come to you in the, within kind of 24 hours and then your results come to you uh, within three to five working days you get a phone call from a nurse who will go through the test with you to see if through re- and give you advice on is there anything they can tweak it t- if you're afraid of needles this is it you simply prick your finger it cuts out the middleman it saves you having to pay 60 70 euro to go to your GP which the the, the results will be sent to uh, this lab anyway so you might as well cut out the middleman and if you're scared of needles this is absolutely perfect. So hands up, I do have an affiliate code. So if you are looking for 30% off your first time purchase, I recommend all my clients to get these. I recommend myself to get these. I have to get my my tests done every kind of quarter, every six months. And I have a code. So if you type in SWF in your cart, you will get 30% off. So without further ado, here is the next episode of the Shameless Fitness Podcast with Pat Dibley. Pat, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: Uh, pleasure, Shane. Thanks a million. I'm looking forward to seeing what direction we go with it. So thank you. Yeah,
0: it's, it's uh, Pat didn't want any questions. So Pat has no idea what's coming up for him. So I'm, I'm excited for this one. Um, So Pat, from, from having various kind of like different kind of businesses and stuff like that, you openly talk about kind of the, the failure side of things when you've kind of had those businesses kind of unfortunately fail and stuff like that. Mm. You... Is there particular lessons that you've kind of learned along the way that you could potentially relate to someone that's potentially going through something go, like something similar at the minute?
1: Yeah, good question. <laughs> I should have asked. <laughs> um, the, the biggest, the biggest lesson I have, I would say, from my own personal failures, was not accepting where I was at the time. So. You know, one of my big failures was Dublin when I was 23, 24. I lived there. I wanted to get a business off the ground and I just had these grandiose visions of building this big business. And the thing that I didn't recognize at the time was to get to a hundred clients, you've got to get your first client. And that might sound very obvious, but I was so far living in the future that I was just so disconnected from my reality. And I think that stress in life is when your reality looks very different to how you think it should look, that word of should. So for anyone who's struggling at the moment, there's probably a story in their head about how things should be. So they might say, you know, I, I should, maybe someone's lost their job and, well, you know, I should have a job. I should, whatever it is, they say we should all over ourselves. Um, and so I'd be telling people, try your best to accept where you are, because only from a place of acceptance can you start to create change. And so after failing with the business, you know, where I thought I should have a hundred clients, I came back to Galway and I recognized, okay, I can get the hundred someday, but for now I should just focus on getting one, you know, and it was, I think it's start where you are and do what you can. And we see the same thing in fitness, you know, when someone has a lot of weight to lose or, um, you know, is training for a marathon and they're so obsessed with the end results that they forget the process. It can be overwhelming and I think you end up living in your head rather than living in action and fear, overwhelm, worry, stress, anxiety, all these things, you know, tie into too much time in the head and not enough time sort of giving yourself evidence that you're making progress.
0: Do you find that with kind of like the the fitness industry you mentioned there about kind of going from one to say 100 clients? Do you think the the fitness industry in particular is pretty bad for doing that because they are on social media they are comparing their journey to say the likes of a certain mr smith or a certain mr cartel or whoever it may be do you think in particular the fitness industry is kind of renowned for that
1: yeah i mean the people that are, are working in the fitness industry by nature i think are often i don't know it's competitive the word but maybe ambitious will be the word and so you know there are goals and there is a tendency to compare ourselves to other people maybe there's Maybe there's a history of playing sport, and there's obviously a competitive nature to that, so yeah, I think when you're when you're when you're getting started, yeah, it's very easy. We all want something to shoot for, we want the target, particularly again, you know when you start out in the fitness industry, you come in as someone who's interested in fitness, but now all of a sudden you're a business owner, and that's a different thing, and sometimes people don't recognize that that being a business owner involves a lot of different caps that you have to wear marketing sales, delivery, and I suppose when you're self-employed and you're working for yourself, that brings challenges too. So it gives us, I think, a little bit of a feeling of security that we can kind of look to someone and say, that's where I'm going. So we sort of have a target. We have a vision. It takes away a little bit of the uncertainty that we're feeling. Um, But then on the flip side of the coin, again, it can put us in that comparison mode where we don't recognize our own progress. And... Um, there's a healthy aspect to having people that you look to as role models, as people that inspire you, but I think rather than look at their accomplishments, it's worth looking at their characteristics and their traits that you admire. So I might look to someone and say, well, they've got an incredible work ethic, they're compassionate, they're kind, they're genuine, um, they're honest, and that's who I want to be, as opposed to looking at someone and saying, well, they have a best-selling book, that's what I want. Um, that way, you know, I think in life, who you are is a lot more important than what you have or what you do. Um, but sometimes we get so caught up in where we're trying to go that we forget who we want to be. Um, yeah.
0: And do you find like you, you've openly spoken about on the podcast about kind of investing in yourself and investing in people who have walked the walk already? Um, do you find that people struggle, especially kind of self-employed? Doesn't necessarily mean the the fitness industry, but do you find that people are afraid to invest themselves, whether it comes to a coach, whether it comes to a PT or an online coach? Do you feel that people are afraid to invest in themselves?
1: Yeah, I think you know. I think we all have ego, and you know, sometimes the word ego, we might picture someone who's cocky, but ego doesn't need to mean cocky. It just kind of means, I suppose, you think. You think you've got it all sussed, Um, which again can be in a humble way even. Um, Someone might say, well, I know what I need to do. I just need to get the head down and do it. But, you know, having a coach or a mentor, I think, can definitely keep you on track. It's something I've always, you know, from the time, well, I would say since 2012, I've consistently had a coach or a mentor. Um, People are afraid to invest in themselves to some degree. Um, But, you know, the thing you need to remember is wherever you're listening to this in the world, if you were to jump on a plane and fly to the opposite side of the world, you'd land in that country and you wouldn't have any of your stuff or any of your friends or your social circle. All you'd have would be yourself. And so you are your, your greatest asset. And to me, it just made a lot of sense when I started in the fitness industry. Well, I, not when I started. When I started, that was like 2008, I think. And you know, I tried to do it my own way. I tried to read books and everything else. And then when I failed a couple of times, 2012, I decided my way is not working. Maybe, you know, I can go to the people that are making a go of this and, and humble myself and learn from them. And I've just had different coaches and mentors since. And I don't always agree with what they tell me, but it just gives me more perspective. It helps me feel a bit supported, Gives me accountability. And again, I think if you're coaching people and you're training people and you expect them to invest in you you got to walk the walk and invest in yourself. So it's just been a blessing for me. I always figured even if it's just reading books, if someone spent their whole life studying nutrition and I can spend a couple of hours reading a book that they've written, in theory, I should be able to download some of their expertise. And uh, you read enough books and suddenly you're you're more valuable to your clients. And again, that's how a, a business grows.
0: And do you feel that's like, so, like I, a lot of people are, I've like a pile of books above my head, but When people are kind of learning from podcasts, learning from books and stuff like that, do you feel enough people are actually applying the information to their lives? Because so many people can, I hold my hands up to this. I've been guilty of this in the past, especially kind of like a mindset book or something like that. They're looking for a secret. They're looking for something. They kind of use it for probably like two or three days and then they stop using it. Do you find that? Have you fallen into that trap? And have you got any advice for anyone to potentially fall away to get away from that trap
1: <laughs> dude i've fallen into every trap you've <laughs> um yeah look there's there's this shiny object syndrome that we all experience and i mean the reality suppose the reality of life is that there's a few fundamental and core principles that you can always fall back on and no more than training and nutrition i think you know there's certain aspects of training and nutrition that will never change and it's nice to dream of a day where, you know, you don't have to move more and eat less or whatever the, you know, whatever the, the reality is, we try to, again, escape that reality rather than accept it. And I think it's the same thing with, like, you know, again, goal setting or motivation or consistency or overcoming fear. The principles never change. If you go back to the books that were written in the 50s about personal development for the first time, very basic stuff, and it's just been regurgitated you know, and even in my own books, it's just regurgitating stuff that's been said in a different voice. But then if you go back further and you look at the, the, the religious texts or you look at the yogic texts, like there's so many different philosophies in life, but they all tie back to similar principles. And, um, and so, yeah, we do fall victim to that. One of the things I try to do with my own reading now is, you know, in my twenties, I'm wise and old now at 32, but in my twenties, it was like, get through as many books as possible. Um, and then post a picture of them on Instagram that made me feel like, wow, I'm, I'm so woke. <laughs> but, um, now rather than get through the book quickly, I'm like, uh, I read whatever amount of the book I'm going to read. And as soon as something jumps out to me, I see that as the insight. And then my question is how do I integrate? So as an example, you know, I don't know, you read the seven habits of highly effective people. And one of the principles, you know, says start with the end in mind rather than saying, oh, that's a cool concept," and, and continuing to read, I would close the book at that point, And I'd ask myself, where in my own life right now do I need to think about starting with the end in mind? Where do I not have a clear vision? Where do I not have a clear roadmap? And um, I think that's how you really get value out of a book or a course or a seminar. And the reality is it's easy today to be a philosopher um, because we've all got access to every bit of information we could ever need. So it's easy to be a philosopher that can you know, talk the talk, but it's It's probably more difficult than ever to be, you know, a a practitioner. Um, And I'm more interested in being a practitioner. And the difficulty lies in the fact that, you know, our attention span is just, you know, dwindling all the time. And so, you know, Cal Newport wrote that book, Deep Work. I don't know if you you know that book. um,
0: I know the book, yeah. Yeah. And I
1: mean, he ultimately just says, and it, what's in low, Uh, supply will always be in high demand. That's how the economy works. So what's in low supply will be in high demand. And he says the thing that's in the lowest supply nowadays is the willingness to do deep work and to really focus on the stuff that moves the needle. And so for me, it's, you know, recording podcasts and writing emails to my email list and writing books and these kind of things. That's my deep work. That's what actually moves me forward and creates lifetime value. But equally, I can get caught up in, you know, the add loop of checking my social media and then checking my email and then checking my social media and then checking my email and convincing myself that i'm busy um so the challenge for us all i think is to identify in our lives not just in our work but in our lives what is the stuff that like is truly important and um, be it the people be it the uh you know the activities that it's just i think i think it's a process of refinement i think that's what's most important The other book then, I talk about books and then I reference every book under the sun, but (laughs) (laughs) there's a book called Essentialism. Unbelievable. Yes. And I mean, you're going to sum that book into a couple of sentences. Um, And I think everyone listening should be able to kind of see this in their own life in some aspect. When you start something new, you know, it's pretty straightforward and basic and you know what you're trying to do. And then once you reach a certain level of success with that thing, you start getting offered more opportunities. And then suddenly these opportunities start to spread you really thin. And now all of a sudden you're not doing the things that got you started. So again, it could be the same thing. Start a 12-week fitness and training plan with the trainer. First couple of weeks, I'm enjoying the process. I'm really doing it. Next thing, I'm picking up Men's Health Magazine and I'm adding different exercises that I see. And then next thing I know, I'm not doing any of the stuff I was doing at the start. And um, yeah, it's worth catching ourselves on that, I think.
0: Yeah, like it's interesting that you you spoke about essentialism because I've Re- I've recently read The War of Art and he talks about resistance mm-hmm. and I know he applies it to the likes of writing and that kind of thing that people can are almost waiting for the perfect time to start doing something and then they never take any action. And I think that's applicable to either a fitness journey, whether it's something to do with your your love life, your friendship or anything like that. So with essentialism, it and if you're if you want a more aggressive a kind of look at essentialism, you can get Mark Manson's Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck as well <laughs> yes, yes. if you want the more aggressive version. But it's like the, if you're interested in, in Greg McKeown's Essentialism, it's like it's a phenomenal book. And he was recently on a podcast with Chris Williamson mm. from the Modern Wisdom podcast. And he was, he's very philosophical. He applies, he, the, I think it's the storytelling. Some, it's, very, it's a unique trait that yourself and Greg have. It's when you're talking on your podcast, it's like you're in the living room having a cup of tea. It's, it's a very, very unique trait that you have. Um, and I think you should be extremely proud of yourself. Have you had to work on that kind of public speaking over the years, uh, whether it be doing kind of like the, in front of an audience or behind a microphone? And how did you kind of get away from that kind of fear?
1: Well, thank you for the compliment first. Um, interestingly, Shane, I was on a, I'm in a men's group. Uh, I run men's groups and I'm in a men's group. And I was in the group last night and we had a kind of, I would say a difficult challenge. There's seven of us in the group and we work in seasons. So every 12 weeks we, we pick a theme and we just delve into a new theme. Uh, so this next season we're working on creativity and how does that apply in our lives? But the exercise we had to do last night was to, each person would get in the hot seat and the rest of the group would give them where they see them as effective and where they see them as ineffective. So you were practicing taking criticism, I guess, or taking constructive criticism. But equally, it was, it was almost more difficult to give the other guys where we see, you know, where I see them as being weak. Um, but yeah, that was the compliment they gave me was to say that I was um, I was able to communicate well without saying too much. Um, and they also gave me a lot of stuff to work on. So it was, it was an interesting exercise. But yeah, um, public speaking was the scariest thing in the world to me a couple of years ago. Uh, it was something I ever, never... I'll be—I always pictured myself doing it, but I didn't ever think it was possible. Um, didn't go to school or college if there was speaking to be done. And, um, yeah, it's just something that I've—I've—I've I've, I've really honed and really worked on the last six, seven years, I would say. Um, initially, my my first uh intro to public speaking was about seven years ago, maybe, and I set out to do a hundred talks in a year for free um just to get comfortable and i ended up doing 77 talks in every type of venue you can imagine uh including a elderly ladies garage in roscommon oh, <laughs> she told me she had a gym and i turned up and it was just her and her friends in the garage i was like what is going on <laughs> um but there was that there was you know just getting in front of the camera and doing a lot of youtube videos there's you know i've done 150 something podcasts now mostly solo casts so like anything else it's just a practice and um yeah i i wouldn't see myself as particularly academic so when i go and study people that are a lot smarter than me um, my brain just maybe works a little bit different and and maybe translates that information in a in an analogy way or uh, and i don't know what the word is but you know i'm more comfortable teaching through stories and analogies than trying to lecture people and um, yeah it seems to land thankfully
0: no, it's it's a very very unique trait. and I think I think a lot of people can just tell people what to do, but trying to apply it and trying to make it them or trying to understand it themselves is like being when you're in primary school trying to learn something. Like I know the leaving certain stuff like that's a bit of a learning test or it's like off by heart test, but if you if you need to be able to apply things to yourself and if you can tell a story and relate it to something. I think that's a, a hell of a lot easier. You you mentioned there when I kind of gave you a compliment, I could hear that was a little bit of awkwardness. Do, I know myself, I struggle with that side of things as well. How do you kind of deal with the kind of like both sides of it, the kind of getting the compliments and then get, taking criticism? Is there, do you have a kind of a tactic that you use?
1: I mean, again, this would be a, f- I'll be honest, this is more of a philosophical thought than than actually a reality for me sometimes but i did hear it once said that like a bird a bird sings because a bird wants to sing and if you love the bird singing the bird's just going to keep singing because that's just what it does and if you don't like the bird singing the bird just keeps singing because that's what it does it's kind of this idea that we just should do what we enjoy doing but that's that's definitely not my reality sometimes um you know I, i yeah I get, I get both sides I get a little bit of criticism and I get plenty of kind words so I don't really take either of them to, to heart um, I, I appreciate them but again for me it's just I want to I want to feel like I'm in integrity I want to feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do I want to feel like I'm pushing my own comfort zone in terms of vulnerability and openness and honesty and truth and if I do that the reality is I've spoke in front of big rooms where I haven't felt like I've done particularly well. And a hundred people can tell me I did a great job, but if I don't believe it, it doesn't matter. And then equally I've spoken rooms where I haven't felt the audience has been very receptive, but I've been happy with what I've, I've put out there. So I try to put my, my confidence and my, my feelings of self-worth within myself Um. So again, sometimes I'm hard on myself if I feel like I'm not living up to what I'm capable of. Um, Sometimes I'm proud of myself when I lean in and I do something um, special uh, or I feel like I really showed up. Um, But yeah, as best as I can, I mean, we're all social beings, so we do like to receive praise and we do like to avoid criticism. But I try not to fall into the trap of letting that dictate all my decisions. Um, I try to be responsible for my own feelings because that's definitely a mistake I would have made for years. And, you know, we all fall into that because, again, we're social beings. But a lot of people in life, their whole life is this game of avoid criticism and seek praise. And there's a teacher I study called Anthony DeMello. And he says it's almost like it's almost like people in front of you have a button. And when they press the up button, you go up. And when they press the down button, you go down and you're constantly at the mercy of their words. And so if someone says, yo, oh, I like your, I like your jumper. Suddenly you feel good. And he says, well, you shouldn't feel good because someone likes your jumper. It's not even your jumper. You bought it in a shop. And then they might say, you know, they might criticize you in some way and suddenly feel bad. And you're just on this emotional roller coaster. So as much as possible, I try to like seek that validation within myself. Be And I do that through just being honest with myself about like, what do I want? How do I want to show up? You know, am I, am I in integrity? And to me, integrity is where your thoughts, your words, and your actions line up. So who you want to be lines up with the way that you show up in the world. And you know, there's a feeling you get in your gut when you're out of integrity. And so I just try to steer. And and a lot of the time I am out of integrity and I need to steer myself back on track. Um, But it's like the plane going from Dublin to New York. Most of the journey, the plane is off course and the autopilot always just brings it back to where it should be. So for me, yeah i've probably gone kind of on a roundabout way of answering your question there but
0: no no like i like i've been literally scribbling notes while you were talking and stuff like that you mentioned kind of the set the a little bit of, you kind of alluded to like the self-talk and i would fall into this bracket so much about kind of the, the like being hardened harden yourself um i'm not sure if that's just a, I I are men kind of a little bit worse than women or, or i don't know i don't want to go into the whole the genders <laughs> argument on because I, I train mainly females so i do not want to go down this route but can lads be a little bit tougher on themselves because i've noticed it from people that i've spoken to the messages that i have potentially gotten from people and like chats that i find that maybe lads can be a little bit tougher on themselves in relation to kind of the career side of things and girls can be a little bit tougher on on themselves regarding how they are portrayed, how they look in a certain way because of potential certain societal dictations.
1: Yeah, again, at the risk of like generalizing too much, but um, the reality is we all have masculine and feminine energy in varying degrees. So the masculine energy is kind of typically um, personified by achievements and getting somewhere and getting things done and being very, Um, forward thinking and and just trying to achieve and and move forward that's the masculine energy the feminine energy is more flowy um creative uh fluid it changes all the time and so again men and women both have masculine and feminine energy in varying degrees so you might see a very ambitious um, career-driven woman who's trying to achieve 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 equally you might see a man who's um more feminine based with like and an interest in art and music and, and going with the flow. And so I think it's good to be aware of where you fall in that spectrum, just so you can see like the person who's always go, 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 go. Um, which again, I would say I was like that in my twenties, always trying to achieve and get somewhere, always had a story of I'll be happy when. And so the thing that I probably needed at that time was a bit more feminine energy in terms of enjoying the journey, enjoying the process um, slowing down, uh, being in the moment, feeling more than thinking and then on the flip side someone who's very go with the flow sometimes can benefit from having a bit of structure but um back to the question um i think that um from again from my experience and this is only my experience um i think men and women are equally hard on themselves across the board um i think the difference potentially to a large degree is women are better at speaking in groups to one another and sharing their experience and you know i feel like negative thoughts and negative feelings if you want to label them that live in the dark and so when I have a story about myself being worthless or not being good enough and I never expressed that and I never expressed expressed the struggle that I'm going through it manifests and it gets bigger and bigger in, internally until it cripples me and that's been my experience with mental health and you know again if I feel ashamed of something I'd, I've done if I feel guilty about something I've done if I feel angry about something someone else has done all these feelings when they stay trapped inside they manifest and again I think men uh, culturally maybe we're not as inclined to sit in groups and share what's going on um, and so that allows these you know issues to fester whether it's our thinking or our feelings um, and then females maybe are a little bit better at coming together in groups again socially and societally I think it's just kind of become it's just the way we're, we're raised maybe um, um, Yeah, when I owned my gym a couple of years ago, I did find that men came into the gym with an expectation on themselves that they're supposed to know how to lift weights and get healthy, Um, and so often their ego would actually get in the way of development, whereas women came in oftentimes thinking they knew less than they actually knew, and so they were probably, yeah, like you say, too hard on themselves, so... Yeah, there's different roles, Um, we've all got a different story about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, but for a lot of men, their belief is that their self-worth comes from how much money they have, what kind of car they drive, and, um, you know, I don't know how many beers they can drink, all this kind of stuff, and, you know, that yeah. that's heavily influenced by how we're raised and what we see growing up um, on the media, in our families, uh, in our social circles, and, um, yeah. And equally the same do
0: you think enough is being done to kind of potentially change it
1: um you know i think to a large degree it's up to it's up to the individual um across the board i, I think a lot of things are up to the individual uh earl nightingale who's a, again a personal development guy from the 50s who i'm a huge fan of um he said something that mark twain said as well and mark twain said when you find yourself on the side of the majority it's time to it's time to start looking at what you're doing um, and and kind of go the opposite way and earl nightingale said the opposite of uh, the opposite of courage is conformity the opposite of courage is conformity and so i would you know encourage people to maybe consider that in terms of if life isn't working right now and i'm following the script that I was given, in terms of, you know, I'm doing all the things you're supposed to do to be happy in accordance to societal expectations, then maybe it's worth reassessing. Um, I'm gonna record a podcast today about. I had a guy message me yesterday and just saying he's lost all the enthusiasm, passion, and lust for life that he had when he was younger, and it reminded me of you know when I was 28, I ticked every box I ever thought I was supposed to tick to be happy. So I bought a house, I bought a car built a big business, wrote, brought out books, had a girlfriend, had friends, had family, all these things. And I was depressed and I went to the doctor to, to see, to get my bloods done, just to see if there's something biochemical, you know, I, I do, I need meds because I have everything. So I can't be depressed Was my mentality. And the doctor at the time, I don't know if this is what he said, but this is what I heard. He sort of alluded to this idea that uh, I was 28 hadn't did hadn't started a family. And he said maybe years ago at that age you would have had a family. And so you've kind of transitioned from being the young alpha man to being, you know, starting a family. And that's the next chapter of life. And he said, you're just kind of in this funny transition now where you haven't quite started the family equally. You're not the young alpha anymore. You're just in this kind of weird limbo. At least that's what I heard. And it really gave me a lot of ease. I was just like, oh, I'm okay. Like there's nothing actually wrong here. It's just my thoughts that are stressing me out. And at that time, I just reassessed. I said, I'm, i am have everything I'm supposed to have to be happy, and I don't feel happy." But then I questioned: Is it everything I wanted to be happy, or is it everything that I thought you were supposed to have? So what I'm getting at is, if you're struggling a little bit in life, if you're a little bit lost, if you're, you know, if you if you're if you feel a little bit unsure, if you feel out of integrity, if you're constantly on this emotional roller coaster of uh, seeking praise and, and avoiding criticism. It's worth taking a step back and sort of asking yourself, am I chasing someone else's dream and someone else's goal and someone else else's picture are perfect. And the reason I mentioned societal expectations and stuff and say, go against what the mainstream is doing is depression, you know, is higher than ever before and lack of fulfillment. And all these things are higher than they've ever been before, despite all the comfort that we have. So something's not working. Um, I've drifted away from your initial question, but...
0: No, no, like, that's... that I can... What you've mentioned there is, like... I think mean, that's why I relate to you so much in that... In my late 20s, I was like that as well. Or throughout my whole 20s, but that kind of only hit me when I was, like, 28, 29, um, in relation to kind of going by societal norms, that you were meant to be in a career, you were meant to be in a corporate environment, you were meant to have x salary you're meant to have x girlfriend or boyfriend whatever it may be or you're meant to have x car or have a house or have a family and then i was slight i was like yourself i had to go to the doctor but mine was slightly different mine was a little bit more dramatic so in like 2017 i got two blood clots in my left arm literally like they appeared but i took that as a sign of that my body just didn't like what was going on my i was just generally unhappy and then the, two weeks later when I went back into the office within half an hour I collapsed with fluid on my lungs and that was like that was a sign of I need something needs to change but I think for i had I had to kind of like I almost became a hermit because I was embarrassed because as a man you're meant to be the alpha male but I, I was like I was just lost. Um and I was a, a fear of what everyone else is doing and I heard a podcast with Brian Keene. so I know you've been on his as well mm-hmm. about kind of uh, not caring what anyone else thinks and I think that that sentence alone so it's funny what sentences we can latch onto and how we apply themselves at different points in our lives and it's interesting that was what you heard from the doctor even though you, you don't even know if he, he even said it
1: yeah i i um i'm gonna record that podcast today and so i wanted to reference him and I, I just looked him up and he's actually with monster rugby now he's my lo- local doctor at the time but i think you're you, the question it had escaped my mind but 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 you had asked um is there enough being done um to to, to support men uh, or to support people in general in that thing and, and why i went off on that tangent was to say that I guess it's up to us, like nobody's coming to save any of us. And so if, if life is not working right now, I can't say, well, as a society, society has let me down and there's no men there to support me. And there's no circles where I can go and talk to other men. And I, I can't play that game because the rest of my life, I've got to kind of take ownership and say there are certain people out there. There are certain conscious men out there speaking in circles and, and coming together and being honest and being vulnerable. It's there. It might not be the mainstream. But it's there equally for women if, if I feel like, you know, if there's a culture, if there's something culturally as a woman that I'm not comfortable with, there is the flip side of the coin as well. It might not be as in the mainstream. It might not be as easy to find. But I think Anthem, we want. I talked to you um, briefly before we started the call about this loneliness thing that, that I've experienced, that you've experienced, that we've all experienced. And I know sometimes when I fall into the trap of, of being lonely, I isolate myself. And I convince myself that there's nobody there for me when in reality, there's a lot of people in front of me that are reaching out. I just can't see it in that moment. And in the same way, when we become caught up in our own stories about what's wrong, sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. So again, back to your question, it was, um, you know, are we being supported enough? I think the support is there. I think the role models are there. I think the aspirations of what we could be is there. I think the information, I think everything is there. We've just really got to make a decision and say, look, I'm going to plug out of this mainstream. And again, I'm not knocking on the mainstream and I'm not knocking on anyone's choices. I'm just saying if, if, if how you're doing things doesn't feel right for you, I, you know, I recently talked about this idea of being more human and I find myself oftentimes just getting dragged into spending so much time in front of a screen and then, you know, my sleep being affected and isolating myself and just doing all these things that go so far against how we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be social beings that come together and that find purpose in our lives that, you know, appreciate, you know, just being alive and aren't always having expectations on ourselves to do more and more and more. So it's just a case of kind of pulling yourself back to. Again, if you feel out of integrity, if you feel out of alignment, if, if the way you're living life is, is is working, keep doing what you're doing, it's perfect.
0: You've mentioned there about the the loneliness. I know we were talking off air, and you like you mentioned there, I think it's come it's like COVID, it's come with different waves, it's come with different intensities, it's come back and forth and all that kind of stuff. Like what little tactics have you put in place for yourself that maybe could be applicable to someone else? And I know everyone else is journey is completely different but there may be one tactic someone may may not have thought of or may not have implemented in their own lives that it may maybe you have tried to implement in, in yours
1: one thing that might be useful for people going beyond just loneliness but but loneliness specifically um i asked this question recently on on a call that i was facilitating i asked you know where do you go when you're lonely and I said, you can remove the word lonely and put in whatever the word is of the thing that comes up for you. So where do you go when you're angry? Where do you go when you're lonely? Where do you go when you're guilty? When, where do you go when you feel ashamed? And the, the, the idea with this is for a lot of us, we'll go to something that helps us temporarily escape that feeling. So we go to an addiction effectively. And the cycle of addiction is I feel uncomfortable. And so I reach for something to give me relief temporarily. And maybe I reach for alcohol, or I reach for the phone, I reach for porn, I reach for gambling. I go to something that temporarily makes me feel better and helps me escape my loneliness, my anger, my frustration, whatever it might be. But then there's always a consequence. There's always some form of hangover or shame that comes after it. When I feel shameful, I keep acting in that way and I fall into this loop. So the prompt of where do I go when I'm lonely might start to show you your patterns So maybe I go to dating apps and I I mindlessly scroll and seek validation from people that I'm never actually going to meet. Maybe that's my pattern. Maybe I go on, on, I don't know, a Netflix binge for eight hours and that's my pattern. Maybe I go to alcohol and that's my pattern. But I think it's worth recognizing your pattern because we live in patterns. Like we, We live in loops. We do the same things until we wake up. And so only by recognizing your pattern can you become more aware going forward? So that's not to say that once you recognize this, it's not gonna happen. So one of my patterns is when I feel lonely, I isolate myself, Uh, I am more susceptible to having a few beers, Um, I am susceptible to living on my phone and convincing myself that I'm connecting with people through online as opposed to in person. So I see that as a pattern now. So next time loneliness comes up, I'm like, am I living in my pattern or am I escaping my pattern? Like, am I trying to get past that pattern? And so that's one side of it. Where do you go when you're lonely? What's what's the disempowering thing you do for yourself? And again, loneliness can be replaced with any word. And then the other thing that I've recognized is all of your negative feelings, if you want to call them negative feelings, are pointing you back to yourself. So anytime I'm lonely, if I look at it, there's a couple of things. Either I've isolated, and again, we're social beings, so we should be socializing to some degree. But the other time I get lonely is when I... I escape myself or I lose myself. So we all have anchors in life. We have things that we really enjoy. That's why the gym is so powerful for people. The gym becomes an anchor. And amidst all the other chaos in life, the gym keeps you grounded. Jiu-Jitsu is one of my things that keeps me grounded. Surfing keeps me grounded. Certain people keep me grounded. So if you recognize your anchors, the things that keep you sane in the crazy world, sometimes when you experience loneliness or other negative emotions, again, negative, I'm just using that word, but... um. These are, are actually guiding you back. Same way as autopilot brings the plane back on track. Your emotions bring you back and, and sort of wake you up and shake you and say, are you again living in integrity or have you drifted away from yourself? Um, so that would be my two suggestions for people. One, recognize your pattern of the disempowering things that you do to escape your emotions and just recognize that come up the next time. And then the second thing, the flip side of the coin is to recognize where you've fallen out what anchors have you kind of dismissed what have you stopped doing that keeps you well and um, this might be a little bit fluffy for some people but um, just this idea of how do i give love to the world and for some people to give love to the world they do it through music other people do it through art other people do do it through their personality other people do it through being a fitness trainer it could be you know it's how you show up in the world and, and you make your difference and then the flip side of that is, how do I receive love? And a lot of us have a harder time receiving love um, because we don't feel worthy on some level. Um, And I, I spoke to a mentor of mine about this. I said, like, giving and receiving love. And she said, you don't give or receive love. You just are love. And what I'm getting out with that is when we allow life to operate the way life is supposed to operate, and we operate in line with nature, so again, we're not spending too much time on screens. We're socializing in groups and sharing who we truly are. Um, we are doing purposeful work. When we're ticking all these boxes, generally life works. And um, when life isn't working, you're probably out of whack with something. And the reason I say that is that it kind of takes the pressure off you because next time you feel lonely, you don't think there's something wrong with you because you feel lonely. You say, well, you know, where have I fallen out of track? And it's actually a gift. The loneliness becomes a gift. And. Um, it's just my experience.
0: That's a, I think that's a, a beautiful sentiment that you are love, and I think a lot of people do. I know myself, I personally struggle with that as well. That you don't necessarily think you're you're worthy of it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of it is kind of about self acceptance and 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 different elements of that. You have spoken there about jiu jitsu. Why is it that? Do you think it's becoming more and more popular? And what is it about it that uh, that brings you towards it because it it wasn't a, like, it's been around for years, obviously, but why do you come, why do you think it's becoming a little bit more mainstream?
1: Um, oh man, I I love (laughs) jujitsu. Um, personally, it was actually the thing that got me into fitness. Um, I got into judo when I was 15 and I went to the States to be a cage fighter when I was 18 for two summers. Um, and then I gave it up uh, up until that time when I was twenty eight and again I went to the doctor and I I felt lost. And I recognized at that time that my life was all about I'll be happy when. Uh, so I'll be happy when I have a house, I'll be happy when I have a car, I'll be happy on my next holiday, always chasing. And I was just exhausted at that time. And one of the changes I made off the back of um going to the doctor that day was I'm gonna put something in my life every day to be happy about rather than wait six months 12 months till the next goal whatever it was and jujitsu, meditation mountaineering were the kind of three things but the reason i think jiu-jitsu has really come to the, the front and and is going to continue to grow um there's a couple of aspects i mean um you mentioned chris williamson earlier i've only recently discovered his podcast and i heard him talking about i think he called it fitness menopause or something like that yeah yeah you know, in your twenties you 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 lift weights for vanity reasons and you've got certain goals, but then maybe you get a bit older and you want to stay fit, but you, you just don't have the same aspirations. And um I see a lot of fitness trainers getting into jiu-jitsu because there's a physical component to it, obviously. Um, without having to lift weights, it keeps it interesting. There's a mental aspect where the mind kind of switches off to some degree or it gets anchored at least in what you're doing. And so you're not thinking about the future or the past when there's someone trying to choke you or break your arm. Um there's a tribal aspect to it that again we've lost. So, you know, I'll shake hands with everybody I step on the mats with and there's something nice in that where you're connecting with people on a human level. Um, there's a there's a grounding aspect to it where no matter how much money you have, kind of like the gym, um, you know, that's not you can't pay someone to do your push-ups for you, you can't pay someone to um put the work in for you. And so you earn whatever your belt is. You could be a billionaire with a white belt, you could be you know, not have a pot to piss in, and have a, a black belt, so it's um there's an honesty to it. I think you know, those couple of things, community, the presence that it brings, um, and I think you know, I think again as humans, you you look at how kids play uh, and they kind of wrestle. It's just a natural tendency to kind of um be close, and you get lots lots of adult hugs as well. So <laughs> <laughs> would recommend. Yeah, I think one of the things I
0: heard from the mentor that I work with, he talks about like, you could easily get choked out by someone who is saying, no, 10 kilos less than you. And it's kind of like the people that you'd see kind of walking in, say like big bouncers and big burly men and stuff like that. But they don't last because they're not ready for that kind of like that ego thing to leave at the door. They think that they're just going to saunter in and kind of choke people out, all that kind of stuff. Um, So it like, it's... I have never done it. I've done a little bit of Muay Thai, but I've never done any like Jiu Jitsu or anything like that. Um, I think potentially when we're allowed like hug people again, <laughs> it, could, it could be uh, on the on the list. The last question I'm gonna ask, uh, Pat is about time. I think more like now more than ever people have time, but they're also saying that they've got less time. Mm what would you say to people who say they haven't got any time to do something that they're looking for, whether it's kind of like a fitness journey, pulling themselves first, even getting out for a walk?
1: Well, I mean, we all have the same amount of time. We just have different priorities. Um, and I also think there's different chapters in life. So, you know, oh, I always make it clear to people like I don't have kids or a family. And so I fully recognize that In theory, I have probably a lot more time than a lot of people um, because that's the reality. I see a lot of my neighbors and they've got kids and they're just running around the place and they tell me, you know, and stuff like that. But again, I think we, we started by talking about acceptance at the start of the call, about accepting where you are and not fighting with reality. And I think whatever chapter you're in in your life right now, you need to first and foremost accept where you are. So if you're single in your 30s and you think that's wrong. You're kind of wasting your thirties and you're wasting your life because you are where you are. You should enjoy where you are and appreciate where you are. Equally, if you're in your thirties, you're in your twenties, you're whatever age you are, and you've got a family and you're kind of exhausted by the fact that you don't get much time again. I think you gotta accept where you are. Um so I think acceptance is key number one. Um and and that that accepting where you are with pros and cons, there's ups and there's downs for every one of us in the positions that we're in. Um, but there's no point wasting you know, the gift that we've been given of another day by, by thinking you're not where you're supposed to be. Um, then there's the priorities piece. So, I mean, it's an, it's an old analogy, but I think it's worth using. And it's the story of the the professor in the jar. So the professor comes into the classroom with the jar, empty jar, and says, "Um, okay, we're going to do an exercise here. And he, he fills it with rocks and asks the students, is the jar full? And they all said, yeah, it's full now because he's got full right up to the top. And then he takes a bag of stones and he puts them in amongst the rocks. So these stones just trickle in amongst the rocks. And he says, is it full now? And he says, the students say it's absolutely full now. And then he takes a bag of sand and he pours the sand in and that falls amongst the stones and the rocks. And finally, he takes a pint of Guinness and he throws it over the top. And they all laugh because now it's completely full. And the analogy with that one was that the big rocks represent the most important things in your life, whether it's the people, whether it's the activities, whether it's the, the moment, the magic moments, the, the hobbies, the, the passion projects. So that's the big rocks, and then the, the stones represent just the things we have to do that we might not choose to do, whether it's commuting to work or it's cooking your meals, or maybe certain aspects of your work you don't like, but you kind of have to do, and you, you recognize that they bring some benefits too. And then the sand is the busyness. like the sand represents too much time on Netflix, too much time on my phone all the you know gossiping and and just doing things that doesn't serve me in any way in life and and so he says if i came in here and i put the sand in the jar first there wouldn't be any room for the rocks or the stones and so the the thinking is if something is a priority in your life it's got to go in your diary it's got to be in the calendar it might seem clinical to put all this stuff like meeting up with friends or 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 have taking your partner on a date it might seem clinical to put that in the diary but if it's not happening it's not happening and it's, it's worth doing um and then the pint of Guinness was just this idea of always, always make time for a friend for a pint of Guinness or, or a coffee because life is fast sometimes and it's worth slowing down. So I would say just recognize like, what are my priorities? You can do anything in life, but you can't do everything. Um, so pick the things that matter the most to you. One of the questions I ask people that, that I think is good for, for narrowing the focus is if I met you in six months for a coffee, what would need to have happened in those six months in the key areas of your life for you to feel like it was a great six months? So you might say in those six months, I would have deepened my relationship with my partner. I would have saved a thousand euro. I would have read two books and I would have um, spoke to my boss about a promotion. Now you've got clarity. Now you can start to put in the pieces of the puzzle with regard to your schedule. 168 hours in the week. How do you use them? That's kind of up to you. And then finally, I think on time is, can I be where I am? So meditation, you know, Meditation's huge because it teaches you to be in whatever you're doing and I can spend two and a half hours in the gym, dilly dallying about, or I can really be where I am and really be focused for the 30 minutes that I'm there. In the same way, I could spend two hours with my kids if I had kids, um, half with them and half on my phone, or I could spend a half an hour with them and really be with them and have the phone off. So I think if you really are where you are, you get a lot more done and and you can really you can really squeeze as much out of life as, as, as you can, you know? And
0: yeah, I think the, I, the, the jar with the, the sand, the stones, the pebbles is, is a, is a beautiful analogy. And you mentioned kind of like the kids thing towards the end with Chris Williamson, again, who will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. He had uh, Greg McKeown on and uh, he was talking about kind of when he's on work trips he has four kids and 80% of the time he'll bring one of his kids with him, so that he can prioritize time and spending time and getting to know his kids while they're growing up. So while he's doing the work things, while he's doing the seminars, while he's doing talks and stuff like that, or riding around like that, he'll have one of his kids with him in order to kind of create some sort of relationship with them while he's doing it. Um, Which I I thought was, I only heard that yesterday and that's why it's so in my head um and i think it's it's a it's a beautiful sentiment as well mm. pat i cannot thank you enough for giving up so much of your time to kind of have a chat with myself where can people find out about yourself any of your courses the podcast
1: oh, thank you man I, I enjoyed it so i appreciate it um at goalsetting.ie, i've got a 14 day journaling and meditation challenge so that's kind of a, a good entry point for people and then my podcast is called the pat Dibley podcast um mostly solo cast, just talking on different ideas. Um, for, for the purpose of today, I know we went in different directions, but the one thing I'd love to leave people with if, is um, just that acceptance piece. We all are where we are, and uh, stress and suffering in life comes from arguing with reality. Um, life is hard sometimes, um, but we make it harder by thinking there's something wrong with where we are or what we've chosen. Uh, It's hugely challenging times for people. So I think start where you are, do what you can. If it's your fitness journey, getting out for a 10 minute walk is 10 steps ahead of where you are. If you're just worrying about, you know, not being in where you're supposed to be, like action, just just some little change sparks everything. We can have these upward spirals or downward spirals. A downward spiral is where a negative thought takes me off course for a minute and an hour and a day. And then a bad day turns into a bad week because I think there's something wrong with me. But equally, one little action can can change the trajectory of everything. So I'll stop talking now because I talk a lot, Shane.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could listen all day. It's literally like, because uh, I can't see Pat at the, on the screen. So all, it's like having a cup of, uh, a virtual cup of coffee with Pat. So uh, guys, if you've enjoyed the, the episode at all, please do tag Pat and I up on your story. It's been absolutely amazing to have Pat. He was one of my top five people to get on in 2020. So I am. Uh, over the moon to have got him on finally. So, Pat, thank you so much for coming on.
1: A pleasure, Shane. Thank you.